Lieutenant Commander Murray, when did you join Qantas? Well, I wasn't actually a member of Qantas at all. I was in the Commonwealth Civil Aviation Department, and I joined them in 1928 after having had interviews with Colonel Brinsmead and um, Johnson. The, um, he, Colonel Brinsmead was Director of Civil Aviation, and Johnson was the Superintendent of Aerodromes. And I went straight up by train from um, Melbourne to Cloncurry, which took about a week, and where I picked up my truck and took over from the works department man who had the job before me. And then I set forth to survey the route from um, Cloncurry through Camerwheel, Brunette Downs, Anthony's Lagoon, Newcastle Waters, Daly Waters, and so on, and on to Darwin. When you say survey, <coughs> what did this work entail? Um, mapping out a piece of suitable ground to make either a, an emergency ground or a permanent, more permanent landing ground, and then having decided on a suitable piece of country, the next thing to do was to send uh, drawings of it to the Civil Aviation Department for their approval, and then to start felling the trees, knocking down the ant beds, and generally making the place suitable for planes to land, either in emergency or better still as a permanent landing place. What sort of size were the landing fields you made? Oh, gracious, they were quite small, um, only a matter of four or five hundred yards, I think, as far as I can remember. It's a long time ago. <laughs> and in those days you didn't require these massive lengths that you require today, and some of them were definitely quite small. How did you manage for transport between the various centres? I had an old truck, and I had a man with me, and I just found my way through the various, um, some cases there were paths and, and old sort of semi-roads, not, not no made roads or anything of that sort in those days, and uh, one just got there. Did you have any um, trouble with uh, your accommodation? Oh, just camped on the way. There wasn't any accommodation, no no hotels or anything of that sort. Um, occasionally one, if one was uh, passing through um, cattle country or sheep country, one was put up by the local squatters or whoever they might be. And otherwise, uh, for instance, at Daily Waters, there was um, a linesman there who had to ride the telegraph line 200 miles each way. I remember his name, Alec Grant. When I arrived there on September 28, he said, this place is getting too damn civilized. This was September. He said, you're the second man I've seen this year. He didn't like it at all. And he applied for a transfer to be sent off further inland. He went off to um, uh, Tennant's Creek, miles inland. And when I was in Western Australia years later, I was very amused to see there'd been a gold rush there, and I wondered what happened to poor Alec Grant. I think he must have died of fright. <laughs> and what was the attitude of the uh, the farmers you met along the route to aviation in those days? Oh, I think uh, when you say farmers, I mean, there were only big cattle stations and big sheep stations and so on, and they were all very enthusiastic. In fact, a lot of them wanted to have landing grounds on their properties. As such as Burnett Downs and so on, of course, which was a cattle station. 
Now, Qantas had been flying part of the route you mentioned for some years. Oh, By yes. the time you uh, arrived there, did you take over any of the landing grounds they'd uh, created? Oh, yes, certainly. In fact, uh, what I had to do was to maintain the existing grounds in reasonable order and then to um, make the new ones to extend the route beyond Cloncurry to um, up towards Darwin. In actual fact, I think, farther I remember, it was only as far as Daily Waters, and then after that I went over to Western Australia. But this was in preparation, really, for the uh, the long-distance oh, route yes. that was coming. Yes, indeed. And, in fact, uh, later on, some years later, they, they connected with the Imperial Airways Service at Singapore and flew through to Darwin and then on to, on to Singapore. Did you come across any of the Qantas people during this time? Oh, all of them, yes, everybody. I knew them from Hudson Fish downward. And most of the pilots, uh, Russell Tapp, Crowther, Lester Brain. I don't remember the name of the chief engineer. No, he, he was... It was Arthur Baird. Oh, Arthur Baird, of course, yes. <laughs> Did you meet Sir Fergus McMaster? Oh, he was the chairman, the original chairman. Yes, I did, indeed. Yes, I'd forgotten. And how did you find them? Oh, delightful. Most charming people and most helpful in every way. I always found them ready to assist one in every way and, and very um, pleased with one's poor efforts to try and do the best one could to further the cause in which we were all interested do uh, you remember if uh, one of these landing grounds, above all others, caused you more trouble to create? I think daily waters was a bit tricky, as far as I remember. Can you remember what the problem was there? Part of the problem was labour. And uh, I remember I had one old boy who'd only work Sydney time, and he would start working until later in the day than anybody else. And then, again, as I say, the one had to pick up odds and ends of people just passing through to try and help one with the work. It was difficult. Was the ground extremely hard? Oh, yes. Um, hard black soil, of course, and one had to tear all the trees out and that sort of thing, so it wasn't a, a simple task by any means. Now, I believe you saw a little of the Flying Doctor service when you were in uh, Queensland. Oh, yes, indeed. Um, Qantas had a pilot permanently seconded to um, and stationed at Cloncurry, where they had a DH-86, I think. No, it could have been a DH-50. And uh, he was there for that purpose only, and he did no other work. And then later on, of course, I saw much more of the flying doctor service in, in the Kimberleys in, in Western Australia, um, particularly the they had a hospital at Halls Creek, which was one of the places where I had to put in uh, an aerodrome on the extension of the air route from Derby to um, Wyndham. Well, now let's uh, go over to Western Australia then and, and talk a little about that, because uh, I take it that when you went to Western Australia, you were still acting for the Civil Aviation Department. Oh, yes, indeed. Oh, yes, yes. In fact, all the time during this work, I was acting for the Civil Aviation Department and the um, Commonwealth Works Department. We were sort of a com combination of the two. And my first job was to go up, right up the west coast to look at all the landing grounds 
belonging to, which were used by um, um, West Australian Airways, uh, the um, chairman of which was Norm, was Norm Brearley. And uh, then on arrival at Broome, which is more or less the end of the line then, I was told to go on through from Broome to Wyndham and to survey an extension of the route through the Kimberleys and to select both emergency landing grounds and permanent aerodromes to continue the service. I believe you had a few adventures when you were travelling in this part of Australia. Oh, indeed, yes. <laughs> Very hair-raising, some of them. At uh, one time, I was, I had to go out and, to inspect the landing grounds on the north-south telegraph line, which is right on the coast, and I went out from a sheep station on horseback and uh, thought I'd be able to find my way back quite easily, thought I'd follow my tracks back, but of course I couldn't do so. And when I, when I came to come back, after being away about a week along this line, I uh, set forth to try and find a sheep station right away out in the blue, and uh, I, I, frankly I got lost, and, and um, I, I couldn't, really thought I'd had my last night on earth, but fortunately the next day after just lying down on the ground with my head on my saddle, had a good sleep and I'd managed to find a way. But it was very, very hot, temperature of 120 in the shade, no water within 20, 30 miles. And if I hadn't found a way, I wouldn't be talking today. Then again, um, you had to cross uh, a lot of rivers. They're, they're, that must have been at times quite an, an, an adventure. Oh, indeed, it's a great problem. Sometimes the rivers ran dry and then one had to make a sort of uh, track across the spinifex grass so as to make the tire spike to get through. Other times, I made a raft on one occasion and floated the truck across. On another occasion, I had camels to pull me over, sometimes donkeys and sometimes aborigines. And uh, at times, one had to go many miles further inland to uh, get across to the other side. I believe now there are roads and bridges and all that sort of thing, but there are no roads or anything of that sort in my day. And how about relaxation? I mean, you, know, you were uh, most of the time by yourself in these fairly remote parts, um, obviously not working uh, 24 hours a day. What, what did you do for relaxation? Well, um, we were lucky enough, I was lucky enough to be able to spend two or three nights here and there at some of the big sheep stations up the coast, and then, of course, that was a relaxation in itself, meeting the people, the squatters and so on, who were all so helpful and delightful. And then I'd spend a few nights in the various townships on the way, such as Geraldton, Carnarvon, Port Hedland, um, Onslow, Broome, and Derby. And Broome was my favourite place. It was most interesting, the great base of the Perlers in those days, and, and um, a lot of very interesting people, and of course we used to have a very jolly time there. They even had ice in the pub. You could get a cold drink. Now, um, were you tempted at all to swim in any of these rivers? Oh, indeed. Yes, when I, I had, on one occasion, I was with an Aborigine and I asked him if there were any crocodiles in the pool. And he said, oh, no, no, boss, no crocodiles. And so I had a swim, and I said, don't you have a swim? He said, no, 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 plurry sharks in there. But you didn't meet one? I didn't meet one, no. Did you see any evidence of the uh, great uh, gold rushes? Yes. Um, not in, I was out in um, 
I did in, in on the other side actually. I was out at Burke, where of course there'd been the, the gold rush and days gone by, and then up north at Paul's Creek there had been a, a mild one there, and there were still some old fellows there. They called dry blowers who were collecting gold from the creeks, and uh, the way they did that was to get the sand and stuff in a tray and, and blow, and blow all the sand away, and then the gold dust was left. And these old boys used to make a few pounds a week, get into the pub at Hall's Creek, which is about the only building there, and uh, drink it away, and then go off dry-blowing again. But there were no big gold rushes in those days. It had all gone. Did you talk to any of these um, uh, old miners? Oh, yes, indeed, yes. And, of course, most of them, most of them, of course, talk about the old days when things were more interesting. And then uh, some of the original um, station owners. I remember um, Mr. Rose at Mount Anderson, and you probably may have met Kenny Rose when you were out there. Mm. Um, and he used to talk of the early days when he pushed a wheelbarrow across the country, and, and we were doing it in style in a motor vehicle. Go back to your motor transport. Um, did you have a lot of maintenance trouble? Yes, I... Um, became rather proficient in uh, doing it all myself. I, I used to change axles, springs. I even had the motor down and ground the valves and did everything for myself because there was nobody else to do anything. And when you sent off your uh, plans of uh, new landing grounds uh, to the Department of Civil Aviation, um, it must have been a fairly lengthy business before you got their answers and their, and their instructions to proceed. Yes, sometimes took quite a while. And uh, I think it might be rather amusing to tell you a story about um, a place called Flora Valley where I made an emergency landing ground and the only labour there was some uh, Aborigines and I paid them by giving them a number of bags of sugar. Uh, later on I had a letter from the Commonwealth Civil Aviation Department saying there'd been a question in Parliament asking why the... the um, Inspector of Aerodromes in the Kimberleys had used black labour instead of white when the policy of the Australian government to use only white labour. I wrote back and pointed out that I could have got white labour from the big cities, Melbourne, Sydney, Perth, whatever it was, and probably would have cost £60,000, whereas it cost six. A reply came back eventually saying that my explanation was accepted. <laughs>